There's a book I've been reading by Kevin Van Hooser, and it is called Hearers and Doers, and it's a theological book. There's this statement that I read in it last week that I thought fit well with the overarching purpose of the sermon series that we are in. It says, Van Hooser wrote, one of the key prophetic tasks of theology, that's learning about God, the understanding of God, is to free the church, a holy nation, from idols. This includes false ideologies and metaphors and stories that guide and govern a people's way of life. One of the reasons why we study the scriptures, one of the reasons why we learn the Bibles is because many of us, whether consciously or unconsciously, have areas in our lives that are governed, are shaped by, by false ideologies, by false metaphors, by false stories, by, by false uh, phrases even that have, that have been put into our hearts and our minds so often that we begin to believe them and operate in that way. Pastor Andrea, two weeks ago, she addressed the idea that some people believe it doesn't really matter what people believe as long as they are good people. And she talked about folks that believe this are, are what she referred to as Bible tourists, and I like that idea, just passing through but not really gaining an understanding. Pastor Candace last week spoke about how the idea that some people believe that, that God's there, kind of almost like a big Santa Claus, that God just wants us to be happy, and, and whatever happiness means to you, or whatever happiness means to you, or whatever happiness means to you, it, it really doesn't matter. God's just happy as long as you are happy, but that's not actually uh, the truth. And then there's another lie that we're going to look at today, something that people think that God said or think that the Bible teaches, but is not actually something that God teaches, and it is this. God will never give you more than you can handle. This statement, which is spoken almost like it is if, as if it is scripture, is found in the book of nowhere. It's not a biblical position. God will never give you more th than you can handle, or God will never allow, another version of it is, God will never allow anything to come into your life that is more than you can handle. When difficulties arise in people's lives, well-meaning individuals, people that, that see themselves as Bible believers, throw out this supposed idea to comfort almost. I've been at funerals where I've heard individuals share this thought with grieving family members. Well, we know you'll get through this because God never gives us anything more than we can handle. Yikes, that's a hard thing to say to a grieving parent or a, a grieving spouse. So where does this false idea that governs so many people's lives come from, this idea that, that we are able to handle anything that comes into our lives. It may come from the misunderstanding of a very powerful and beautiful scripture in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, and I invite you to turn your Bibles with me there. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and then 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, and there's this scripture in there that might be part of the confusion that, that people have, have had on this text. The scripture is this, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So just by the way, if you have a particular sinful trait in you, guess what? It's common to a lot more than just you. 
You're not alone. God is faithful, the Bible says, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I believe that out of this verse, that the false premise that God will never allow anything that we can't handle, in this case temptations, come into our lives. Well, does this verse actually communicate that idea? God will never give us more than we can handle. It says, no temptation has overcome you that is not common to man. The next line, God is faithful. And that's key, and we'll hold on to it for just a moment in the back of your brains. And then it says, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. If we stopped right there, or if we rushed through the next part of the text, not really examine it, we could think that God is saying, look, I'm never going to give you any temptations or any struggles in your life that are beyond your ability. People read that God is faithful. He'll never give us any temptations that come into our lives that are beyond our ability. Y'all, this text beat me up quite a bit in my life, especially in my early Christian years. I read this text, and, and I knew this text. I'd, this is one of the texts that I'd memorized, and I'd be struggling with a sin, and I'd vow that I was never going to commit that sin again. Have you ever been there? And then I'd commit that sin again, and I'd... Say, Lord, really, this time I'm, I'm never going to commit this sin again. I know that you've told me that there's no temptation that will come to me, that I, that I don't have the ability to overcome. And, and I, would, I would focus and I would say, I'm never going to do this again. And then I would sin again, maybe a week later or a month later or maybe an hour later. Have you been there? And, and somewhere in my brain, I would start to think, God, you told me. Lord, you said that there is not a, one temptation that will come to me that I won't be able to handle. But God, I'm not handling this. And so in my mind, I start to think, well, maybe I'm not really that committed. Maybe I don't really want to overcome this sin. Maybe I'm, I'm just a phony. Maybe I'm a fake. And, and I would just beat myself up over these things. Have you ever been there beating yourself up over sins that you've struggled with and struggled with and struggled with? Y'all, this struggle that I'm describing is the result of the well-intentioned thought that people share, but just isn't true. God will never give you anything that you can't handle. But look at the text. That is not what this is saying at all. We know this, first of all, because of verse 12. Look at verse 12 in chapter 10. It says, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he what? Fall. So it's about people who think that they can handle things, that they can handle whatever comes into their life. And it says, take heed lest they fall. And the context, the context leading up to that, the first 12 verses or the first 11 verses in uh, chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians 10 are all about uh, the people of Israel who were God's people who, who thought that they were strong enough to handle whatever came their way. They thought they were strong enough to, to, to stand in the midst of sinners and still not fall. And yet the Bible describes how they, how they eventually fell to trials and temptations and, and struggles. So verse 13 cannot be about a people who are strong enough to handle any temptation that comes into their lives. It says, but God is faithful though. What is he faithful in? It says God is faithful and then it's almost like a secondary thought 
There will no be no temptation that comes to you that overcomes your ability. But what God is faithful in it is the next part of the verse. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That is where God is faithful. When you run into something that you can't handle, God is faithful that he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. He will provide you the way out. He will make it so that you can endure it. He will make it so that you can handle it. Not by your strength or by, my, by your might. In this world, you will have things, if you have not already, which I'm sure most of you have, you will have things that will arise in your life that you cannot handle. Some of you might be going through those very things right now. A sickness, a, a, a financial situation, a crisis at work, a crisis in a relationship. You might have fear or anger or sadness in you that is something that you cannot handle. You might be struggling with some level of guilt or some regret or some loss or some death or some poverty. You might be struggling with some sin in your life that you cannot handle handle. And too many of us have believed for far too long that nothing that comes into our life is something that we can't handle. These things are there, though, in your life, and they are too big for you to handle, and they're too big for me to handle. But why are these things that are too big for us to handle? How do these things come into our lives? I believe there are three reasons why these events come into our lives. Some of these things that are too big for us to handle are there because of our own sin, because of our own choosing, because of the choices that we made. Some are there because of the sin of the world and the sin of others. People have made choices and, and those choices have affected us. And, and just because we live in a sinful world, there are things that come into our lives that, that are too big for us to handle. And some are there, and people don't like this one as much, but some are there because God has allowed them to be in our lives for a specific purpose or reason. Let's quickly look at all three. We have situations in our lives that we cannot handle, struggles in our lives that we cannot handle because of the choices that we've made, the sins that we've made in our lives. I think of King David. King David is known as the greatest king that, that, that ever was in Israel. Of course, he's in the line of, of, of Jesus. But King David really, really messed up in his life. And the words messed up do not seem quite adequate enough for what he actually did. You know, we're too familiar with this story. We read it and it, we just move on with it, but, but it's really quite a, a horrific story. King David got a girl that was not his wife pregnant. And then to try to cover up this situation that, that he had created by his own choices, he tried through tri trickery to cover this, this problem up. And when the trickery didn't work, he had, to use a common vernacular of the day, he had his baby mama's husband killed. That's what happened. It's a, it's a horrible, horrible situation. And it was a situation that he got into, a situation that he could not handle, but he tried to handle it on himself, and the situation only got worse and worse. You can read all about this in the book of 2 Samuel in your Bibles, chapter 11 and 12. So the prophet Nathan comes to David and tells him, this is a basic gist of what, Dave, uh, what Nathan tells him, you did not get away with what you thought you got away with. That's basically what Nathan told him. You did not get away with what you think you got away with. And then he tells him this, one day someone will do to your wife what you did to Uriah's wife. 
And because of your sin, your newborn child is going to bear the consequences. David went from a situation he could not handle because of his own choice to creating even more situations that he could not handle. And there was no way out, no trickery beyond that. Some of you might be facing something in your life that seems so unfair, that seems beyond anything you can cope with. And it is because of a sin, of a choice that you've made. Before I became a Christian, from the ages of about 13, almost till I was 19, that is how my, really much of my entire life felt. Rich Reinhardt was here in, in first service, and seeing him reminded me of the fact that when I was 16 years old, I went and saw his mom, and his mom's a doctor, and, and she did some tests on me and did some studies, and, and I was put on prescription medicine for an ulcer at 16 years old because I was so overwhelmed with situations in my life. Things that I could not handle and I was trying to handle on my own. Some of us have situations like that in our lives because of our decisions. Some of you are facing things in your life that are much bigger than you can handle and it's not because of your sin but maybe it's because of the sin of the world or the sin of someone around you. Maybe a broken home. It was not something you chose, but someone else chose for you. A challenging work situation. It was not something you chose, but someone else chose for you. You're fighting a disease, and, and obviously you didn't choose that, but, but just in this world, we have these struggles and these trials and these things that are bigger than us. And none of these came about by choices that you made, but they're just there. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 16 and, and verse two, here was their job description going forward. Imagine this, if you think you're in a rough job situation, imagine this one. In John chapter 16 and verse two, he tells them, hey, here's what your future job has for you. The time is coming when anyone who kills you will think that they are do, offering a service to God. That's a situation that's more than than I could handle. Here's your job, and by the way, people are going to kill you for this job. That's a big situation. Why would the disciples have to go through this? Jesus tells them in the very next verse. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. He said, you're gonna face situations in your ministry that you are not going to be able to deal with because others have not accepted me and have not known the Father. Because someone else has chosen sin, you will suffer. That's the reality of this world. There are some of you facing those types of things, things that are above what you can handle, and it is no fault of your own. It's just the reality of living in this sinful world. It is coming up on the two-year anniversary of the death of a father figure of myself and Christina, uh, we got a call on January 21 that a friend of ours had died. Uh, Pops, as I called him, his wife, uh, Mom Reeves, Kathy, called me to tell me about uh, his death. Uh, Pops and Mom Reeves had recently finished remodeling this small cabin that they had bought in North Georgia. He was enjoying his new job. They were enjoying their kids and their grandkids. And Pop had worked outside all day, January 21, with his son doing some things. 
And that evening, he lay down on a couch and he asked his wife, Kathy, what kind of cucumber should we plant this year in our garden? He loved gardening. What kind of cucumbers do you want this year? And those were the last words that he ever spoke to her, and within minutes, he was dead. It wasn't by any choice. Not because of anything he did. He was a health nut. He was a vegan. He was a cyclist. He wasn't at an age where you would expect this. In fact, just two weeks before, he had gone and done a stress test on the treadmill, and they said, you're fine. And he had a cardiac event after asking about cucumbers and was dead. But now his wife, kids, and grandkids were faced with a situation that they could not handle of no choice of their own. Some of you are going through situations like that. And then some face situations they can't handle. And again, this is the one that not everyone likes, but I think there's biblical evidence for it. That God has allowed you to, to maybe be confronted with certain things for some purpose that he has for you. Situations that seem too great, but God has allowed them to, to or puts them before you for a specific reason. I think of the story in Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 18, there's a story of, a, of what, we're, what is described in Luke 18 as a young ruler. In Mark chapter 10, the same story is described as a rich young ruler. And, and this young man asked Jesus in Luke chapter 18, what must he do to be saved? And then Jesus lists, states a list of commandments to keep. Jesus wasn't actually uh, promoting salvation by works, but Jesus was trying to get to his heart. We see that with what comes next. Jesus was trying to break down the things that, that, that he thought were the reasons for, for being saved. And the young man says, all these things I have done since I was just a young boy. And Jesus then said to him, but there's one other thing that you lack. You still lack one thing, and this is verse 22 of chapter 18. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come now and follow me. Suddenly this young man is put, has put before him a situation, a, 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 an opportunity that he doesn't think he can handle. And we can be critical of the young man. Yet think about what Jesus said to him. He said, give up everything that you have had and come and follow me. Sell it to the poor and then come and follow me. There's some of us in here, there's some of us in our lives that we've struggled with the idea of giving God 10%. Man, I, just, I, I can't afford to give that 10% to God. It's gonna put me in a situation that, that'll be too big. I can't handle that request from God. Imagine then adding 90% to that, 100%. That's what this man, young man had. And, and he was challenged with this situation that was too big for him. Why? Why would Jesus allow this to come into his life? Because Jesus wanted the young man's heart. The young man said, what must I do to be saved? And what Jesus was trying to say to him is, I want your heart, 100% of your heart. How is he going to handle this situation of giving up everything he has? Give me all of your life, 100% of your life. Learn to be fully dependent on me. That was really the answer that Jesus was giving to this young man. And that's really the answer for all of these situations. 
all the scenarios I just shared? The answer is learning to be fully dependent upon Jesus, is going to Jesus and being fully dependent upon him. Some of you are in situations you can't handle because of your sin. Some of you are in situations you can't handle because of the sins of others or the sins of the world. And some of you might be feeling like you are in a situation that you can't handle, and it might be because God is putting something before you because he has a plan for you or he has a mission for you, and he's trying to get your attention. Those things you will not be able to handle, but God can handle them. The idea that God will never allow or God will never give you anything in your life that you cannot handle is a lie. It's a form of legalism. I'm big enough. I'm strong enough. I can handle this. The truth is, a lot of the things we're trying to handle right now, maybe on our own in our life, we can't handle. If you sin and your whole world flips upside down because of it, the only way out is to, is to come back to Jesus and to depend upon him. We talked about David, and, the, and it's believed that David wrote Psalm 32 in the midst of his sin and his struggle. And he was, when he was confronted with this impossible situation, he wrote this psalm. The psalm goes like this. When I kept silent, Psalm 32, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me and my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. The only answer for David was the grace and the strength of God. He said, when I was trying to handle it on my own, all my energy was being sapped out of me. But then I realized something. I woke up and I realized if I turn to God and give it to God, even my worst of sins, and I give them to God, suddenly, in the midst of this whole storm around me, I find that there's a hiding place in Jesus. I can't handle it. The sins I've done, Jesus says, come. I'll give you a refuge even in the midst of that trial. Jesus told his disciples that someday people are going to kill them and consider it a favor to God. And then at the end of that chapter, in chapter 16 of John, he finishes that conversation with, to his disciples with these words. I have told you these things, and the things he had just been telling them is about the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There are going to be situations that you go through, a sickness, a death, the loss of a relationship, a financial tragedy. There are going to be things in your life that you cannot handle. And how do you still have peace in the midst of all that? In Jesus. I've told you these things so that you may have peace. But that's not what it says, actually. I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And then the last one. We were told that the young man went away very sad because he was very rich. And to give up everything, to lose everything, seemed like a situation that was too big for him to handle. And Jesus told the disciples, it is virtually impossible for the rich to get into heaven. And they set 
then who can get in? They were under this false impression that the, that the rich had an easier avenue than the rest of the world into the kingdom of God. And man, if the rich can't even get into the kingdom of God, then how are the rest of us getting to get into the kingdom of God? And that's the whole point that really all of us, it, for all of us, it's like going through the eye of a needle. How many of you have seen a camel go through the eye of a needle? Any of you have seen a camel go through the eye of a needle? Is that something that's happened? Modern science, has modern science been able to figure that out yet? Nothing, that's not in your science books, that's not in any. We've not seen this. In other words, what God's saying is, this is impossible. And then Jesus said this to them. What seems impossible to you, what seems like you can't handle, what seems like it's too big for you, guess what? With God, it is possible. You're right, you can't handle it. You're right, it is impossible. But with God, it is possible. What man can't handle, folks, here's the thing. God can handle. And I would dare say that many of us are trying to handle things that only God can handle. God never said you won't face anything you can't handle. What God said is you will face things you can't handle. But guess what? I'm big enough, I will handle them for you. Both my dad's mom and my mom's mom are a tremendous example of God's love and commitment to Jesus. I've told you about this before. I've told you about my grandmas before, particularly about my dad's mom, who her husband left, disappeared for 21 years. But, but their lives are both uh, pictures of, of loss and situations that they can't handle. Both my grandmas lost their mothers at very young age. My, my, my mom's mom lost her mother when she was just four years old. My dad's mom lost her mother when she was seven years old. My dad's mom then, or my dad's mom then lost her older sister when she was 12 and her father when she was 15. So at 15 years old, she was an orphan, my, my dad's mom. They both got married to avenous men and they both were eventually abandoned, left. My grandma on my mom's side, she had four kids, and so she worked three jobs to put them all through Adventist school. Adventist school is worth it, y'all. Um, and she believed that, and she was committed to that. She eventually got remarried, and she married a guy that seemed like this wonderful, nice guy, and about two months into their marriage, he started drinking and started beating her. And this is something I saw as a child in my life as well with that grandma. She had a son that went to prison. Tragedy after tragedy. My dad's mom, you've heard about her husband leaving and disappearing and leaving a note, don't look for me, you'll, you'll never find me. But, but besides losing her mom, her older sister and her dad and being an orphan at 15 years old, marrying a guy and then having him leave and disappear, she also was an artist and she, she painted her, her, she would paint these, these elaborate um, uh, things on, on China plates. She was a professional artist and she got in an accident she could no longer do that. That was her love, her passion. She got in a car accident could no longer do that. Her second husband, who she married, they drove under a tanker truck and he died. She had two granddaughters and a daughter-in-law that disappeared, murdered in 1981. She also had a son that went to prison. 
She also had a son that died of AIDS from being a heroin addict. I mean, she had thing after thing after thing that you can't handle. And when I was an angry teenager at God, I one day said to her, why are you not angry at God? And she said, why would I be angry? And so then I told her, I said, I began to list to her all the things I just shared with you, like, She's getting old. She's forgotten. I said, well, this and this and this and this. And she just looked at me. She said, why would I ever be angry? God has always been there with me. How do you handle things that you can't handle? My grandmas are both examples to me. My dad says about his mother-in-law, and imagine this, we'd all, everyone would love to have their husbands say this about their mother-in-law. He said, I will do anything for your mom's mom because she is a saint She's gone through so much, and she's never complained once. You know what I've seen in both my grandmas? Growing up, I saw in both my grandmas. These two ladies, they just spent time in God's word. They spent time in prayer. And every day, I can't handle it, so God, you handle it. Every day, I can't handle it, so God, you handle it. Folks, you don't have to handle the things that you're going through. God wants to handle those for you. But it takes a decision in your heart to say, God, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to trust you to be big enough to handle this. If you say to yourself, I can't handle this, you're right. But praise God, he can. So let's let him.